welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. So welcome to Amazing Love. We are here living in the afterglow of Easter. Hope you're doing well because death is conquered once for all, for all people of all time. Welcome to Amazing Love. And as we start our conversation today, I wanted to, to say an interesting premise that fear actually has an upside. Yes, fear has an upside. We, we see this in children. For example, let's take a child who is unafraid of moving cars. That's not a good thing. In fact, we want to teach them that a car is a big, heavy thing that is something to be dangered and feared, and so they show caution. Or let's take a, a child who's afraid or unafraid of falling. That's not a good child or not a good toddler because we want to teach them you need to be cautious on stairs. You need to be cautious about certain things. Let, let's take the child who isn't afraid of us or our punishment. That's not good either, is it? We want them to say, you're going to listen to me and what I say or obey the consequences. Well, anyway, I, I remember uh, being in a beach when uh, our daughter Bella was one year old. And at that point, she was unafraid of running into the ocean. And this was a problem because waves kept crashing in. And she didn't care how many times she got knocked down. She didn't care if she was swimming in the sea. And we said, man, I wish she was a little bit more afraid of those waves, if you know what I'm talking about. We wouldn't have to run or be as afraid for her. You know, fear in adults is, has an upside, too. Um, I don't know if uh, fear ever gave you like gut senses about circumstances or situations. And that's actually a healthy thing. It, it, it leads us to have caution where there might be harm. So again, fear has an upside. But what I'd admit to you is that fear's downside way outweighs its upside, if you know what I'm saying. Fear's downside is, is way more detrimental than the upside of it, so, so that's why we want to learn how to fear not. In fact, I was reading a great book uh, by author Max Lucado. Uh, had a book called Fearless. If, if your life is maybe epitomized by fear, I'd really recommend this book. And, and look at what he had to say. This is what he said about fear. He said, fear never wrote a symphony or a poem, negotiated a peace treaty or cured a disease. Never pulled a family out of poverty or a country out of bigotry. Fear never saved a marriage or a business. No, courage did that. Faith did that. People who refused to consult or cower to their timidities did that. 
But fear itself, fear herds us into a prison and slams the door. Would anyone here agree with those sentiments? I guess when I read it, it just struck me as like, yeah, he's, he's on to something. I agree. I, and, and if we would just sum it up, maybe we would sum it up this way, that fear just ain't helpful. It ain't helpful. It's not productive. It doesn't do much good for us. In fact, uh, Lucado went on to say that full, fear is kind of like a bully in the hallway, a bully that crowds out every other good emotion. And he asked the question, can you be afraid and happy at the same time? Can you be afraid and confident? Can you be afraid and merciful or afraid and clear thinking? Many times, fear just overwhelms that, and fear is the bully in our lives to locking us and crippling us in, in so many different ways. But are you fearful? Have you ever been afraid? Recently, um, you can watch the Masters in Augusta, Georgia. I don't know how many golf fans there are. Any, any golf fans? Anyone tuning in? Wow. Okay, cool. Um, and one of the guys who won recently in 2012 and 2014 is a man named Bubba Watson. And you got to love a guy named Bubba, right? You know, that, that should be the name that's top. Anyway, um, and, and Bubba Watson here with the green jacket uh, was interviewed recently by the New York Times about the fears that he faced. And he opened up, I don't know why, but he opened up to the New York Times, and this is what he had to say about fear. He said, I have a lot of fears in my life. I'm just so fearful of things which I shouldn't be. Scared of heights, buildings falling on me. Shouldn't come to Chicago then. The dark, scared of crowds. In between holes is really scary to me because there's so many people so close to you. I'm just scared of people in general. And it's pretty cool that he'd be so honest. And the reason this was in an article I was reading is that the article was saying how fear actually led him to the Lord. That, that God didn't work in spite of his fears, but because of them. That he went out on a quest to, to solve fear in any way possible. And if God could do it, you know, help me God. And, and God definitely has helped Bubba Watson. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but he is one of the most outspoken Christians as far as a famous athlete goes. If you follow him on Twitter, he, he's known for, for tweeting one of his favorite passages from Hebrews. Uh, the passage says this, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Love that. Mere mortals. What can they do to the immortal God? Bubba Watson is being worked on by the power of God, becoming less and less fearful. And that is how helpful the God we worship is. Now, if God can calm Bubba Watson's fears, do you think it's possible he can calm our own fears? I would say amen. I would say absolutely. And that's what we want to discuss. You know, this message series comes hot off the heels of Easter. And if you weren't with us on Easter, please go online, catch up, because we considered some incredible things. One of the things we considered on Easter is that the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the spirit at live in you. Is the spirit alive in every believer that we have resurrection power at our fingertips and what this means is that our life as Christians it's not just about one victory it's not just about salvation someday although if you're new to, to amazing love or if you're new to Christianity it, it is that it is salvation one it is that primarily but it isn't just one victory it's about regular victories, day after day. It's about progress in an imperfect world. It's about what God can do now in our lives. This is the story of Easter. It changes everything, as the video said. And so we get to get into the end commandments, the words of Jesus saying not to do certain things. And I'm just hoping you dwell in these realities. 
that, that God would do something in your hearts. Maybe with information you already knew but just needed to hear again. That he would speak powerfully to your hearts for what's ever going on in your life. You know, I, I wonder if you would poll uh, parents, if you look back on your childhood, what were your parents known for telling you? If you think about that. What were your parents known for telling you? I think clean my room would be one of them. <laughs> or maybe you'd hear, uh, stop doing that. Or don't do that with your brother. Anyway, um, you know, what would your parents be known for telling you? It's amazing that when we go to our father, our spiritual father, Jesus, you know what he'd be known for, for telling us? Fear not. Fear not. That's what he would tell his kids over and over. In fact, you may know this, but in the Bible, 365 times he says, fear not. Some have said that's for every day that we live uh, because he wants us to know we have nothing to be afraid of. So let's get into the lesson that proves that. Ready to hear God's word? It just seems quiet. Can you just say, yeah, one, two, three? Yeah, all right, yeah. All right. I know it's spring, it's snowy, but come on, let's... The more you put in, the more you get out. I believe it to my core, peeps. Anyway, um, so we're going to listen to Matthew, who is an eyewitness. Um, and this is actually God speaking to us through Matthew. So let's uh, hear this story of the storm. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went, and they woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. This is definitely one of my favorite stories. And maybe it's a story you've heard of God calming the storm. And I'm just hoping God would let you dwell in this story a little bit today so that you walk out with a little bit more peace, a little bit more joy as we get going. So as we continue, this is what I'm hoping a goal might be. I don't think you're going to walk out today ever being unafraid again, but as we hear this word and dwell in it, this is what I would love to have the goal. That bit by bit, what if we could change our default setting from that of faith or from that of fear to that of faith? What if when you heard news of a health circumstance, of a relationship, instead of just being terrified and jaw dropped open, eyes wide open, you would start saying, it's going to be okay. That instead of saying the world is falling and the sky is falling, it's going to be okay. I believe the spirit that works in us, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, can help us to get there more and more each day. With that, um, one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen was a black and white movie. And this is one of the only black and white movies I remember watching. It's a movie called The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, just curious who's seen this Wow, okay, so you're with me, okay? And, and young kids are like, what is this, black and white? Anyway, well, let's explain it a little bit. The premise of the movie is that uh, aliens are coming into the world, and they have these pods, and the pods are able to take over and abduct the body. And so you have the same person walking around, but little do you know, it's not that person. Little do you know, it's an alien, and you can tell it because they're emotionless, and, and they call pod people, and anyway, and be afraid because it could take over your body. Well, I remember watching this, and it was so interesting, and... Um, Days after, I remember thinking, what if there are pod people? What if my teacher at school is a pod person? What if this is actually going on right now and we don't even know about it? Area 51 and they're just covering it up and there's a conspiracy theory. We're all going to be pod people. We don't even know, right? 
And I know it was ridiculous. I do, right? And, 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 and I know it was irrational. And you probably like, that's, uh, you ever thought that, Pastor? You're just weird. Anyway, but, but, but the, the reality is, uh, rational or not, I was thinking it. And as a kid, it made me afraid. This could actually happen. I could become a pod people and we could live in a pod world because aliens took over, right? Do you know what it is to have irrational fears? Bubba Watson said, you know, I'm afraid of buildings falling on me. Maybe that's a little bit. I'm, I'm afraid of things I shouldn't be afraid of. You know what this is? Maybe you see it in your kids. You know, kids, don't let them watch those movies because this is what they're going to do. They're going to be afraid of monsters in the closet and monsters under the bread. They're going to they're be afraid of aliens, you know, coming down and abducting them, you know, and we know what irrational fears are. The thing is, if I was still afraid of body snatchers, I probably should go and see someone about it, right? You know, if I'm 34 years old, afraid of body snatchers, we should, we should maybe have worked that out, right? Um, irrational fears. But legitimate fears have a way of sticking with us, and this is why. Because legitimate fears have happened. They have. I don't need to be afraid of pod people because I've never met one. I'm not going to turn into one, but I can be afraid when I'm sick. Why? Because I've been sick before. And it ain't good. I've known people who were sick and what it did. I'm afraid of losing a job. Why? I've known people who lost their job. I've lost a job before. I've been there, right? Where you can relate to legitimate things. I'm afraid of relationship things happening badly because I know what bad relationships are because why? I've been in bad relationships. So legitimate fears have a way of haunting us when they're right before us. And what do we do? One of the things I want to ask you then is this question. What are you afraid of? And I really just want you to bring it up. Whether you write it down in uh, your worship folders, whether you talk about it with your spouse on the way home, I just really want you to think of this. Maybe it's body snatchers. Maybe it's something else. What are you afraid of? And now we want to wrestle it to the ground as we consider and dig into God's Word. So as we get into God's Word, I wanted to ask you, are the disciples irrationally afraid or do they have a legitimate concern? Irrationally afraid, what do you think? Yes, no? No? Legitimately afraid, yes, no? Yeah. That, that's what's going on. This is, let's look at verse 24. Suddenly a furious storm came upon them, so that waves swept over the boat. They were covered. Jesus was sleeping. This is awesome. Uh, the disciples went and they woke him up. Lord, don't you care that we're drowning? Or Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, I was doing the, the Greek study, the original language, and the word for the storm was this word, seismos. Now, if you're uh, known for the study of seismology, what do you study? Do you know seismologists? Earthquakes, exactly. And so, really, this was trying to tell people, the author was trying to tell people, this wasn't just about the boat that was rocking. This storm was so bad that the whole world was rocking. That's how bad this storm was. And um, it's interesting, the same word, this is just a tangent, if you're okay with a tangent. Um, this same Greek word was used when the earth shook um, when Jesus died, and also when the earth shook when, um, shook, anyway, the oysters, I don't even eat oysters, but anyway, shook, the earth shook, and uh, Jesus died, and the earth shook, and he rose again, the same two times when the, that word is used. So I think maybe God is doing something significant with the word seismos, and I hope he does it in your life. But anyway, it was so big that they were afraid to drown. That, that, that's how earth-shaking it was. But what is Jesus' response? What does he tell him? Verse 26. Look there with me. It said, he replied, you of little faith, or, or, or really little faithers, little faithers, that's not a good nickname. You know, you don't want to be called a little faither by Jesus. Why are you so afraid? Now, we know the answer. 
We're afraid because there's this furious, earth-shaking squall. Why shouldn't we be afraid? We're fishermen about to drown, and you're getting splashed, but you're sleeping. Why, why shouldn't we be afraid? But here is what Jesus was teaching his people and us. Here is the principle that we want to glean. That we have nothing to fear, not just in irrational things like body snatchers. We have nothing to fear when we have legitimate concerns. This was his principle. Don't fear when there's something to be afraid of. Got that from Andy Staley. He's smart. Anyway, um, he's saying even when it's legit, even when it's right before you, he says the principle is that you don't fear even though it is something to be afraid of. That's my end commandment to you. That's what I want you to learn and to glean. But the disciples weren't there. No, they weren't. They, 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 they didn't have this lesson here, otherwise it wouldn't be so valid for us today. In fact, um, another account says that this is how they reacted with Jesus. Uh, another account said that they said this. They, they actually asked Jesus, don't you care if we drown? That was Mark's eyewitness account. And, and do you get where they're going with their fear? They don't question his knowledge. They don't question his power. What are they actually questioning? His character. They're questioning whether Jesus loves him enough or loves them enough to actually do something about it. That's, they're questioning his character. And this is so important for us to discover because we may not think of this when we're fearing. We may never say, well, I've never questioned God's character. But isn't it true? Maybe this is at the heart of our fear. That if we really expose fear for the lie that it's bringing, maybe part of it is that it's saying, I'm afraid maybe Jesus just don't care. And we need to be real with that. That was the temptation that worked in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve. The devil got Adam and Eve to, to believe that God didn't care, that God was a holdout. How many times when we're afraid are we just flat out thinking, God, you don't care. Guys, this is a sin we want to wrestle to the ground as well. This is a sin to the degree that God should say, you know what, I, I have enough with you, I'm, I'm done. And this is the sin that we want to leave here today and repent of. Because when we ask that question, do you care? And we go here. What does that say? That is a megaphone. That is a tattooed testimony. That is an unbreakable truth of Jesus Christ, our Savior, saying, I care more for you than you can possibly imagine. I endured a great price on the cross for you. I care for you when your mama don't care for you. I care for you to the degree that you can't even understand or comprehend. I care for you and always will. I cared for you before you could ever care for me. I took a step towards you before you could ever take a step towards me. I love you and that's not going to leave you. I care. This is a starting point for how we wrestle fear to the ground. And this is how we can continue talking our discussion of fear not. So with that, you know, it's interesting in church history, I don't know if anyone knows church history, uh, that there has been a, an identifiable ebb and flow of peace and persecution. 
an ebb and flow, and this is for all you history buffs, an ebb and flow. And uh, I grew up in a time of relative peace for Christians. That was never promised. That was never guaranteed by God, by the way. He said, in this world you will have trouble. Um, And it seems like maybe we might get to a point in America where there's persecution. Now, even if that comes, God's promise or his answer is still, don't fear. Anyway, even if it's a legitimate fear. Um, But but anyway, um, I wanted to bring up a time of persecution. Um, It was under the Caesar Marcus Aurelius. And this was in uh, the hundreds A.D., and, uh, and, and this was a picture for how Christians were being persecuted. Maybe you know the Colosseum is where many Christians lost their lives. That for, for so many years, they were thought of as less than, and they were put down based on what they believe. At the same time of Marcus Aurelius, there was a physician named Claudius Galenus. Now, this physician had a chance to look at the Christians who died in the Colosseum. He's a historian who actually wrote this observation about fear. He said this about Christians. For fearlessness of death and the hereafter is something we witness in them, Christians, every day. What he was observing, someone who had no horse in the race, no no dog in the fight, what he was observing is that Christians, for whatever wacky reason, were unafraid to die. They went into the Colosseum saying, it's all right if death comes to me, it's okay. Now, why could they do that? How about because a century and a half earlier, they had a risen Savior? How about because they believed in a Messiah who not only said he was the way, the truth, and the life, but then died and rose again? They were unafraid because they believed in a resurrection and a resurrection power. And so they could face death knowing it's not the end. It's just the the gateway before eternity. And this is the truth for us today. We can face death unafraid. We can be just like those Christians by the Spirit working in us. And I wonder, have you ever gotten to a point where you were unafraid of death? Maybe a day, maybe a circumstance. If you uh, permit me, I'll tell you a story of when it happened with me. I was in college, and uh, one way to pay for the college bills uh, was to give plasma. And so uh, if they stuck a horse needle in your arm and held it there for an hour, you got 20 bucks. What a deal. Anyway, um, (laughs) and I remember uh, carpooling on my way giving plasma with with some other college students trying to get the same money. And um, it was snowing. And I don't know if it was April there as well, I forget, but anyway, it was snowing and it had accumulated on the ground. I was in the back seat with someone else driving and I was trying my very best not to be a backseat driver. But this is what was happening. I knew this person was going way too fast. I knew that if we needed to brake suddenly or turn to a different lane, we were lost. Well, as it turns out, we were going and unfortunately my theory was correct. This person had to brake suddenly, but it didn't stop. No, it started to slide. Now, when it started to slide, this person overcompensated, which meant when the tires actually stuck, guess what started happening? We started spinning. So here we are spinning, going about 55 miles uh, an hour. And uh, in the back seat, you know what I am doing? Smiling. For whatever reason, I am smiling. The spirit was so working in me, at least that's what I think, because I was thinking these thoughts. Today, I'm going to meet Jesus. But at that point in my life, there was nowhere else I'd rather be. 
At that point in my life, though, God had only given me a story of grace. I was so excited to be with my Savior, Jesus Christ, because to live is Christ, but I don't know if you know this, but to die is actually gain. And so I was so excited. Maybe these are the moments that I get to cross. This is Elijah's fiery chariot, but no, it's just an old beater. I'm going 55 spinning around, you know. Well, it didn't happen. I'm still here. In fact, miraculously, nothing happened. We just hit the, the sides a couple times until the car stopped and we were good. That was crazy. Anyway, there are angels. But uh, I remember being unafraid to die. Now, could this be yours as well? Can you, dear Christian, go and face death unafraid? If it's true, we have a risen Savior. You know the answer. Amen and amen. And if you are saying amen from the depths of your heart, you need to understand the implications of that. Because this is then true. If we need not fear death, we need not fear nothing. If we need not fear death, we need not fear nothing. What is greater than our enemy death? What is bigger than that fear? If that has been conquered, what else is there that couldn't be conquered? Now, now here I want to flesh this out using, and I'm excited for this. This is my favorite point of it. I don't know why. Because I get to use math. And so I'm going to use some math here to just flesh this out. It's the law of transitive relation. And so I use, even use sparkles to, to put this. They're my sparkles. But here's the law of uh, transitive relation. If A is greater than B and B is greater than C, do you know how this ends? Then A is also greater than C. Now, now go with me here. If, if I'm not afraid of death, I don't have to be afraid of cancer. And if I'm not afraid of cancer... I don't got to be afraid of my migraines. I don't. You know why? Because if I'm not afraid of death, I'm not afraid of migraines. Right? The one eclipses the other. The one evaporates the other. Do you get where I'm going? If I'm unafraid of death, I'm unafraid of my job loss. And if I'm unafraid of my job loss, I'm unafraid of my boss. And if I'm unafraid of death, I'm afraid of, I'm unafraid of my family situation, which means I'm unafraid of how my kids think of me right now because I'm unafraid of death. Do you see this? Man, is this powerful. Our fears can evaporate. When death has been defeated, oh my goodness, we have power. That's what God is telling us today. But I'm not done wrestling fear to the ground. Not done. Got to tell you about my card collecting days. They're worth nothing. <clears throat> and I remember collecting cards, and my brother was collecting cards, and he went all out spending $5 on 86-87 FLIR basketball cards. And I was like, why in the world would you spend $5 on a pack of cards? That was like extraordinary. They were like 50 cents. Anyway, um, and, and when he opened that pack, guess what card he got? Dun, dun, dun. Now, cards aren't worth anything, but I'm sorry if I'm losing you. This is just for me. But anyway, um, <laughs> cards aren't worth anything, but this one is. In fact, one sold uh, three years ago for $100,000. On average, they're selling for about $9,000. And so when my brother got the Michael Jordan rookie card, you know what he did with it? He didn't put it in his bicycle spokes to see what sound it made. That's what a previous generation did, which is why Mickey Mantle cards are so expensive because no one's there. Anyway, um, he, he didn't do that. You know what he did? He spent more for the case than he did for the pack of cards. Why? Because that's what you do with valuable stuff. You protect it. We know this innately, right? Uh, it's it's the, the case for our, our cell phone. It's that lockbox at the bank. It's the safe in our home. What we do we innately is we, 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 we safeguard the valuable things. We put uh, cushy things for toddlers because they're valuable. Here's where I'm going. Hold this thought. Jesus was about to send his disciples out once, 
And he warned them. He warned them as he warns us today. It's going to be bad. And it's not going to be bad because it's a sinful, messed up world. That's bad enough. It's going to be bad directly because you follow me. I need you to know that. It's going to be bad. They treated me a certain way. They're going to treat you that way. They're not going to like you because you know Jesus. They're going to make fun of you because you know Jesus. They're even going to hurt you because they know Jesus. In fact, most of the disciples lost their lives because they, they believed in Jesus. They were martyred. But then he said, look at the birds. See, see, see I made these sparrows. And, and what you need about the sparrows, what you need to know is that every one of them your father knows and everyone that falls to the ground, he, he knows when it happens. Look at your hair. Every hair follicle, every hair on top of your head is counted, is numbered. And his summary statement was this. He said, so don't what? Don't be what? Don't be afraid because you are worth more than many sparrows. Where I'm going, if we innately know what it is to protect what's valuable, does not our God. Does he not hold you by his righteous right hand? Does he not call you more valuable than birds and flowers? Absolutely he does. So don't be afraid. You are of great value. Now, here I just want to pause and we built this place for those who don't know Jesus. And if you're watching online, if you're here, if legitimately you ask today, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian today, this is the message I would lead with. Because you need to know you are so valued by God that, that the Heavenly Father would send His Son to die your death so you could be forgiven. That's how valuable you are. That you are loved and completely forgiven. Heaven is yours as a gift today. As I have open arms, so does our Heavenly Father. That's how valuable you are. And it's being wrapped up in this message of love that really is the answer for prayer or for, for fear. In fact, uh, earlier we, we said that fear was like a bully. Fear is the bully that crowds out other, um, you know, things like happiness and all that. You, you know what the bully fear needs to, to meet? He, he needs to meet a bigger bully because there's one out there. And I want to introduce you to him. Here's the bigger bully. What is it? Perfect what? Perfect what? Perfect love is the bully that drives out fear. When you are consumed by the love of Jesus and know how much he has done, you are not afraid anymore. You're not afraid of death. You're not afraid of your job situation. You're not afraid of relationships because you have one that is solid gold. You are not afraid of anything this world may bring because when you are wrapped up in love, you don't fear no more. I had an example of this. I uh, recently approached someone who I was afraid of. I, I thought I had hurt them and I didn't know what they were going to do. And so I was kind of timid and walking on eggshells as I was going to meet them. As I go to meet them, their eyes light up and they get a smile on their face. They open their arms and they give me a hug. Now let me ask you, was I afraid anymore? Absolutely not. Love had crowded out fear. That's your Heavenly Father. You have come here today and you need to know His eyes lit up when you came. And He got a smile on His face and He just has open arms saying, Welcome, my child. I love you this much. Let me tell you how the story ends. Jesus wakes up. Sorry, I'll get to this point. Let God's love bully away your fears. Now I'll get to my closing. <clears throat> Jesus wakes up and he says two words to calm the storm. Just two words. It's all it takes. It reminds me of creation where he just said things and things appeared. Anyway, two words and the storm ceased. 
And then Mark records something that's just really awesome. This is, anyway. Um, he said, then they were terrified. So at, at, when the storm was calm, then they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves will be. And, and terrified doesn't do this justice. In the Greek, once again, it says, they feared a great fear. And, and it's redundant for emphasis. It's like when the Magi find, found Jesus, they rejoiced with great rejoicing. They feared a great fear. What Mark is trying to say is they were more afraid of Jesus than they ever were of the seismos that came before it. That's just incredible. So they ended up the day not unafraid, but more fearful because they finally knew who Jesus was. Now, this is something that I would say to you. Be afraid, but be afraid of only one thing, of Jesus, of his power. Know the power of his word, the power over death, the power in your life, but then couple that with his love. Know that the one you should be afraid of has loved you like no one else. Know the one that you should be afraid of holds you again with his righteous right arm. Know this one can conquer anything in your life because he stilled waves and wind and he can do it in your life. Let me pray for you. We close with prayer. Dear Jesus, I know today isn't the only day I will wrestle with fear. So let me first remember you have always and will care for me. Especially for those who are new today, we consider that your cross proves your care. Help me now to start replacing fear with faith. Give me the power to live courageously for you, confident of your protection and your power, until the day you call me past death into your side. In Jesus' name, amen.